The following episode may contain inappropriate material. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, world. This is Trish Adora, your Pan-African World Diaspora Champion, and you are listening to John Orlando on the PVD cast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of the PVD Cast. I am your humble host and your podcast purveyor, John Orlando, and welcome to episode number 252. I'd like to thank you for checking out this episode, and I hope all is well with you. Um, As for me, I'm kind of a little bit down in the dumps. I'm kind of a little bit bummed out because I'm recording this introduction on Wednesday, September 23rd the day in which the news broke earlier on this morning that the wrestling world has lost yet again another legend. Joe Laurinaitis, a.k.a. Road Warrior Animal, passed away uh, late last night, I believe. And I don't know, just it sucks when your heroes pass on. I mean, I know we're all going to eventually shuffle off this mortal coil, but at 60 years old, it seems like he still had plenty of life left in him. And it just sucks that the greatest tag team is no longer with us. I mean, Hawk passed away in 2003 and and now Animal. And we're left with Precious Paul Ellering. Um, but I don't know. It just it really, really kind of made me kind of feel a little bit blue, if you will. Um, and, you know, I, I think back to... 2018, when the Wrestle Legends convention came to town and I got an opportunity to interview Road Warrior Animal, I, I joked, but I really turned into eight-year-old John. Like, that that experience was just so awesome, and it will always be my favorite episode, uh, the Wrestle Legends episode, which is um, episode number 165, or I, weirdly enough, it was just I just replayed it in March as episode 228. Um, The opportunity to talk to Road Warrior Animal, as well as many other uh, superstars there, was just a highlight of my podcasting career and a highlight of my fandom. You know, I've made no bones about it on this podcast. I think the Road Warriors are the greatest tag team ever. I know that that's somewhat of a controversial statement, but that's how I feel. They're they're my favorites of all time. And uh, just going to say, rest in power, Road Warrior Animal. And... uh, Certainly, probably the Legion of Doom is probably causing some havoc upstairs, I would say. Well, it's never easy going from a somber subject like we just talked about to uh, highlighting who is going to be on this episode of the PVD cast. But um, on episode 252, I'm going to be joined by Mr. Jeff Patrick, the owner of World's Greatest Comics. And Jeff is making a return. He was on at the end of April, and we discussed how the pandemic was impacting comic book retailers and the comic book industry in general. Jeff wanted to talk about the impact that the pandemic had on the comic book industry, 
as well as uh, some shakeups that have occurred at DC Comics and some of the things that they have done that has impacted their bottom line. And, you know, look, I know it's going to sound like we're being very negative, Jeff and I, but, you know, we're fans of comics. We want comics to be around. We want comics to be good. We want comics to be handed down to the next generation. And, you know, our critique, our criticism comes from a place of love. And uh, it was fun having Jeff come back on and talk about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, if you will, of the last few months in the comic book industry. So, and I appreciate, you know, the fact that World's Greatest Comics is a great sponsor. You know, I I say it all the time that they are the one-stop shop for all your comic book related needs, but they truly are. Uh, The store's located at 5974 Westerville Road in Westerville, Ohio. And you can check them out online at wgcomics.com. And uh, they're even on Facebook. Just search for at WG Comics or World's Greatest Comics. Either one of those will get you right to their Facebook page. And so that's my kind of my mini plug. I know I didn't do it with all the fervor and vigor that I normally do, but uh, I don't I don't want to have a lot of overkill, if you will. <laughs> um, with that, I'm going to throw it to a quick break. And on the other side of the break, you're going to hear Jeff Patrick and I sit down and talk all about the comic book industry and comics in general. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another installment of the PVD cast. And joining me once again is Jeff Patrick, the owner of World's Greatest Comics. Jeff, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, John. How about yourself? I can't complain. I cannot complain. So the last time you were on, which was episode 232 back in late April, yeah, uh, we chatted about COVID mm-hmm. and the store. Um, so how has business been since things have gotten a little bit better in terms of our coronavirus situation? Uh, it, uh, it's actually been going very well. Uh, it's a little bit of a slow start, but it's been going very well. And I think uh, a lot of that is uh, due to the fact that there aren't any conventions going on. And uh, we've had a lot of people come in and, uh, you know, just say that fact, you know, I can't go to a convention. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and come in here and shop. So uh, it, it's been going pretty well in that regard. I think uh, there's several small shows going on, but, you know, none of the big conventions. I, I think I think that's uh, one thing that's really helped us out. Plus, uh, uh, during the shutdown, we've uh, we kind of switched gears uh, doing some online stuff. And uh, we're on uh, eBay. We're still selling on eBay. So, you know, overall, it's, it's been going pretty good. New comic sales have actually picked up. Things seem to be getting back to more of a uh, normal slate in the number of releases going on. I, I think that was, uh, it was a gradual thing. It, it had to be a gradual thing. That's the way they planned it, just because uh, when Ohio opened back up, uh, we got our first shipment a couple of weeks later, and we started out with small shipments the the way that uh, it, it was planned because there were still places that were uh, still in shutdown. And uh, so the, the output from uh, the publishers wasn't really there. And that, that was just the plan all along just to uh, build back up to uh, more of a normal output. Uh, there's still a few titles that uh, haven't hit yet, but uh, the, uh, I've actually just been going through uh, the Diamond site checking on the status of some of those. And so there's still some things uh, 
that uh, haven't come back out yet that are to come. You know, one thing you mentioned about the fact that there's no conventions, but last time we talked, it was right around the time, I think it was maybe just a few days after, you had a special guest stop by the store, Daryl Banks. Yeah, how'd that go? Can you recap this? That went tremendous. Uh, we uh, that was it was a very very uh, very big event. Uh, I know uh, uh, Daryl was very happy. He was I think he was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I mean we um, we took all the social distancing you know into account. We uh, had a table set up with a uh, barrier for him, a uh, little opening underneath so people could pass the items. You know the items could be passed back and forth. Yeah, it, it was great. We had uh, we had quite a turnout for it. Well, can you give us a little brief history of the store? Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're laughing because you're, you're well, thinking brief history, right? You're <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, the store opened back in, uh, first opened back in March of 2011. Little tiny space. I mean, we've always been located in the Glengarry Shopping Center there in Westerville. Just a tiny space. And uh, with, with uh, maybe one or two exceptions, I didn't really see comic shops dealing with older books as much as you know, like like it was uh, in uh, well, even even in other cities. I I saw a lot of other cities where uh, the back issue market was doing well. A lot of stores dealing in older books. I didn't really see that a whole lot around here. Like I say, with maybe a couple of exceptions. So I thought, you know, I, we we really need that here. It's kind of a shame that, you know, Columbus being the capital city and the selection is so limited in terms of uh, being able to uh, shop for older comics. I I refer to it as uh, the best midlife crisis I ever had uh, because, uh, well, I'm I'm 58 now, so I was uh, around 49, 50 when I opened up the store and uh, uh, it, it's, I, I just uh, thought, well, you know, we really need that here. And uh, that's been the focus of the store is uh, older comics. We do, we do carry new comics and uh, action figures and some statues, but uh, the uh, old comics, that's our focus. It's, it's paid off very well for us. Uh, we've, uh, like I said, been around for nine and a half years and um, we just uh, a year ago, moved into our current location, uh, which is uh, our third location, actually, there in the shopping center, our third storefront in the shopping center. We started out with uh, 625 square feet in the first location, went to 1,200 square feet in the second location, and now we've got 2,800 square feet, and I hope we never have to move again. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm getting too old for this, uh, you know. Uh, as Danny Glover would, would say in the Lethal, Lethal Weapon movies. It's been a really great uh, draw for us having all the older comics. We've, we've gotten people from, uh, you know, out of state, from up in Canada coming down uh, to uh, shop with us uh, over the years. So, yeah, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing and uh, getting better at it. There you go. One of the things that you and I had talked about one day when I stopped by the store was we talked a little bit about you know, some of the things that we talked about on episode 232, there's been some some fallout, uh, some big yeah. time consequences. Let, let's talk at maybe, and I don't even know how to order these. Um, 
I don't know. I guess I'm going to go in chronological order. So in late March, early April, DC had made a decision and they had made a decision to leave Diamond, which right. Diamond it was a, as a matter of fact, they made, uh, well, uh, it was the day after we last uh, talked after the, the last episode uh, yeah. that I was with you on that uh, when they announced the two other distributors that uh, they were going to go with to get product out to the stores who still wanted to sell even during the shutdown. And uh, those distributors, Lunar and uh, UCS, after uh, a little digging from, by uh, some others, come to find out that they are actually fronts for um, uh, Midtown Comics and DCBS, the two largest online retailers. And that really sent everybody into a, a, a tailspin that, okay, DC is expecting us to buy from our competitors, essentially. I, well, I made the decision, well, I'm going to stick with Diamond because the timeline they were talking about, you know, when Diamond was planning to resume shipping was about two weeks after first uh, Lunar and DCBS shipments were to go out. And I said, I'm just going to stick with Diamond. And, and the first Diamond shipment came two weeks after uh, we reopened here in Ohio, after the Ohio retail was allowed to reopen non-essential retail. So, you know, we were going along. And then the announcement came from uh, Diamond in late May that, or, or I'm sorry, not from Diamond, but from D.C., that uh, they were no longer going to be distributing through Diamond and they were going to go through Lunar and DCBS, or I'm sorry, Lunar and UCS, the two fronts for Midtown Comics and DCBS. That really sent a lot of people into a rage. A, a, lot, a lot of retail, I mean, just about every retailer across the country because... Now we're being forced to buy from a competitor. Now, in the last episode that uh, I was on uh, with you, uh, I, I know I talked about uh, the possibility of uh, alternate alternate dis uh, distribution, which I thought would be great for the market because that's what we had back in the 90s. There was a uh, uh, healthy competition amongst various distributors. Well, that's not where we're at. We're, we're just, it, it's, it's uh, very much akin to the uh, Heroes World debacle back in the 1990s that uh, when Marvel Comics decided they were going to self-distribute and they bought a small regional distributor to do worldwide distribution. And that's what broke the distribution uh, system back in the 90s. Was that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back right there. Everybody ran exclusives, uh, you know, or win exclusives with uh, Diamond, and then ultimately all, the, all these smaller distributors shut down. Uh, the the uh, other major distributor, uh, Capital City Distribution, they shut down because they didn't. They really didn't have much in the way of any product to distribute. Everybody went exclusive with Diamond. Ultimately, it was just down between Diamond and Heroes World. Heroes World couldn't handle what was required for worldwide distribution, they folded. Diamond was the only one left. And when, when we talked last, I thought, well, okay, this might be a good thing, you know, that uh, 
another distributor is coming along. Well, not when it's a competitor. Right, right. Not not when not when you have two competitors that we have to buy from. Does that and I don't know if I'm gonna phrase this correctly, does that violate any type of like monopoly type of law? Or is that too that, com- that is, complicated that's a, that's a, to understand? <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> on the surface, it seems like conflict of interest, but I, I yeah, think that there you go. That's what I meant. Yeah, conflict of interest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I would, I would think that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, all the legal powers that be within those companies have checked into this, but you know, that that's, that's really for, uh, for smarter people than me. I mean, uh, as, uh, as the, uh, as the saying goes, it's above my pay grade to answer that question. Yeah. But on the surface, yes, it does seem like conflict of interest. Yeah. yeah. Ha- have you talked to anybody that used Lunar or U- USC um, for their deliveries, for their distribution? And if if so, what was their experience dealing with those distribution? Well, well here, here's the thing. Those companies did not come into existence until DC said we're going to uh, distribute product through them. That uh, the, they they did not; those two particular companies did not exist prior to that. They, you know, you you had Midtown Comics and you had DCBS, but there were there was no Lunar Comics distribution. There was no UCS Comics distribution. Uh, it just seems like this was all created in cahoots with DC comics to get their product out there Mm -hmm. um, that during, during, during a pandemic. So, you know, prior to uh, what was it? Uh, April prior to April of this year, those companies didn't exist. Lunar and DCB or I'm sorry, Lunar and UCS did not exist. So has anybody anybody that you know of in in the comic book retail scene here in Columbus used those two during the pandemic or no? Everybody stopped uh, during the pandemic. I'm I'm not really aware. I I think maybe one store that I know of did, uh, but I've not really gotten to talk to them about their experience with okay. it. When uh, this all wrote, uh, came about. Uh, DC Comics assigned the retailers one of those distributors to use based on what state you're in. And they said, Ohio, use UCS. Although I think that there still is the freedom to choose between the two. Okay. Because uh, uh, Lunar is actually based out of uh, Indiana, somewhere in Indiana. So that really would be closer Mm-hmm. For Ohio, but uh, I I think just because of all the stores west of there, you know they they've got that load to carry, so that's why they told us to go with uh, UCS based out of New York, and that's that's who we're getting our DC product from is UCS. Okay. I'm gonna pitch a theory at you that I read um, okay a couple of uh, a couple of days ago when I was just reading up on some news, so it's not my theory; it's just one that I read. There's a theory that Diamond uh, would probably be game for buying DC backstock from retailers to kind of secondhand sell through their own distribution. Because as, as you know, it, once a book comes out, it's got a little bit of a shelf life, correct? Yeah. 
And then after that, it goes to the back issues. So this, this this columnist was writing about the theory of possibly having uh, diamond somehow repurchase or get back the DC backstock and then offer it. Hey, yes, it's a couple of weeks past when we normally would would deliver it, but here it is. What Mm -hmm. are your thoughts on that theory? Do you think that that is maybe something that's plausible or if it's just complete malarkey or what? If Diamond were to do that, it, they would have to do it at a loss to the retailer. So I, I really don't know how how viable a thing that would be. Diamond has Diamond has to make money, just like the rest of us. So uh, you know, if I if I if I have some uh, you know DC Comics backstock, you know, like a well, three ninety nine book, which uh, you know, even with uh, DC product, you know, they they seem like they're what they're going with the, the black label and all more prestige format things. It seems like it's starting to become few and far between now. I would have I would probably probably lose if I were if they if they were to do that and I were to sell product back to them, then I would lose a considerable considerable amount on each one of those individual books. So it's not it's not going to be something that's feasible. But this is I, I don't I don't think it will be okay. because because not only not only that not not only do you have not only would you have the uh, uh, what what Diamond would be willing to pay for these books, but you also have shipping costs involved in it, and then they you know they have to resell the books. So yeah, I, I just don't really think it. For the for the retailer, it definitely wouldn't be financially feasible, and I don't know if Diamond would be up for that either. I think uh, you know whoever came up with that theory. I think there were some things they didn't really consider. Okay, okay. Well, the hits just kept on coming for DC Comics because. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, you know what, Jeff, you could fill us in because I'm not too sure, and I couldn't find any any connection here. But I, I want to say midsummer, somewhere midsummer. Uh, Time Warner had massive cuts to a lot of their divisions, and DC Comics was hit pretty hard. Actually, that was about two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? It was. It was I'm... about two weeks ago. Yeah, when okay. uh, uh, well, I think it was about three weeks when uh, the Time Warner cuts were announced, and then uh, was the following Monday. That's when uh, when it all hit the fan at the DC offices. Well, do you think is there any connection between this bad distribution deal that they have going on? And these layoffs, are they just a coincidence that they're happening at the same time or relatively in the same same time? Frame? What do you think? Well, it, it's it seems that uh, the distribution deal that went down may have played a, a role in this because uh, and, you know, the, this is just through the rumor mill, but apparently there uh distribution deal didn't help DC rebound like they thought it would be. I mean, that was the the thing they said is, you know, it's, it's really going to help the direct market, but no one was really willing to say how mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think, you know, that, that could, it's possibly that it's possible that that could have played a role in everything that went down at DC. You know, I'm, 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 tr- I'm trying, I'm trying not to uh, use any vulgarities here, but uh, <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. Oh, okay. Well, shit rolls downhill, and <laughs> AT and T is at the top of the heap. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, it just could be coincidence, but it seems like every 
bad thing that's happened with the comics industry in the last two years happened as soon as AT&T bought Time Warner um, because uh, or bought Warner Brothers Entertainment, whatever the company is called, uh, because, okay, we had uh, the Walmart exclusive comics. There, there was a, a, yeah, some uh, several I, comics I that were exclusive to Walmart with the intention of, well, this will uh, help increase readership and uh, uh, get people into the comic shops. All it did was drive speculators into all the Walmarts and buying all this stuff up and selling it on uh, Walmart, uh, selling it on eBay for a profit. It didn't really do anything to bring readers into the comic shops. Then this past February, there, there's an annual, uh, an industry organization called Comics Pro. And uh, it is uh, an organization basically dedicated to creating a dialogue between the retailers and the publishers. Comics Pro happened back in February. Uh, I can't remember where it was held at this year. It's usually in a certain place all over the country, you know, in different parts of the country for a weekend once a year. While Comics Pro was happening, Dan DiDio was out at DC Comics. Right, right. And the way, the way that the DC people, including Jim Lee, who was at Comics Pro, the way they found out about it was the same way we all found out about it. We found out about it through the press. I mean, it's just all of a sudden he was being escorted out the door at, uh, D, at the DC offices. Dan DiDio, I mean, uh, there were a lot of things I disagreed with that uh, he had done a lot of things that a lot of people disagreed with that he had done, but he was very friendly to the retailers. Okay. He, he was very, he was, he was an advocate for the retailer. A couple of months after that, that's when we had this uh, distribution deal that uh, happened with uh, Midtown and DCBS. So it's like all of this crap happened within the, within that span of time since it seems since AT&T bought Warner Brothers. And and don't forget, we had a streaming service, DC Universe, that now has been absorbed right. into HBO Max. Right, right. You know, when right. there were some shows that were heavily uh, favored or really loved and, and just dropped, uh, Swamp Thing is the one that clicks in my mind. I know many people that really thought that was a great show it got one season was gone. Now well, the whole network is being folded into this new idea or this new yeah. uh, programming. Well, uh, from what I understand about Swamp Thing, that that uh, happened because some money from uh, where the show was being filmed didn't come through. I, I, uh, I, I don't know if it was like tax breaks or, or what, but uh, apparently there was some money involved in there coming from the state where that didn't come through. And so uh, they didn't have any money to make the show. Basically, that's that's my understanding of the situation. Uh, the new president at Warner Brothers did an interview uh, recently where one of the things that really stood out was direct to consumer. Yes. Now, Jim Lee did an interview uh, a few days after that, really pushing digital. And all, while all this is going on, DC's canceled a bunch of lower tier titles. Mm -hmm. uh, Teen Titans, Young Justice, uh, John Constantine Hellblazer. There were a, a few others I can't think of, of uh, what all was, was canceled. 
So, you know, they're, they're cutting back the line. And I mean, it's just, just kind of, kind of a scary thing with DC right now, because, and, and then also the announcement uh, that came out earlier this week about Batman day, Batman day was a, you know, a big annual thing for DC. I mean, they would send uh, the shops a, a, a giveaway comic for us to mm-hmm. give away to customers. And, you know, we, they, you know, we could, could plan events around this and whatnot. The announcement that they had this week mentioned nothing about comic shops for Batman Day. So who is going to plan events for Batman Day, if I may ask, Jeff? <laughs> it, it's, it seems like it's they're, they're kind of branching out into the mass market, more into the mass market with this and just leaving comic shops in, in, you know, behind on this. So you mean like uh, I, I think like stores uh, like that? Uh, I don't know about Target if it's going to be Target or like Barnes and Noble or or what. Uh, but I mean, it's just they 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 apparently have events planned for you know to reach more out into the mass market. But uh, the last time we talked, I postulated the uh, this the theory that okay. New distributors coming into this is going to be good. We'll have healthy distribution again, uh, or healthy competition amongst distributors again. And I was, I was wrong about that. So here, here's another another thing that I could very well be wrong about. AT and T is not interested in publishing comics, and just everything that's being said about you know the push for digital from you know Jim Lee saying you know talking about the push for digital he's really a strong advocate for for digital and then um the uh, pres- new president of Warner Brothers talking about direct to consumer uh, can I interrupt for a minute is that sure. Daniel Cherry is that the new head uh Tom no, Warner, I, Daniel I Cherry or is he, is he in charge that- of DC I, I he he might be in charge of DC the, the DC okay. Um, Jason Kalar is the new head of Warner Media. Okay, okay, yes, yes, yeah, that name he, rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the one who uh, you know the the one thing he said that stood out was uh, direct to consumer in, in his interview, and, and then you know Jim Lee really really wanting to push digital. And I mean, and again, this is this is my own crazy conspiracy theory about it. It's <laughs> it's entirely possible that you know, with AT and T seemingly uninterested in in uh, a publishing venture, just might shutter the doors on DC Comics. They're not. They probably won't sell the company because they have the IPs. Comic books, when it comes to a big company like that, the revenue from comics is just a tiny drop in the bucket mm-hmm. they, they were going to make more money off of merchandising the action figures the clothing uh the, the media tie-ins all of that that makes more money for them than what the comics are going to make so i i can really see now now, now granted the the dc characters as far as the movies, it's been kind of hit or miss with the movies as compared to the Marvel characters, but still they, they made some bank. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think that they, that they would want to hang on to those IPs and really not care about uh, whether or not they publish comics. Well, one, one thing you mentioned, you mentioned the action figures and the other, um, I guess you could say collectibles. 
mm-hmm. a DC Direct is gone. Right. So um, how how has that impacted comic book shops, and how has that impacted world's greatest? The impact is remaining to be seen. Is, is remains to okay. be seen. Now they did um, last mo- in the last month or so, actually, when it was still with Diamond, and then you know through UCS. There's, they were soliciting for some figures yet to come out. I haven't heard anything about whether or not those would be canceled. But DC collectibles just went directly primarily to comic shops. Mm-hmm. And, and it was going into places like Toys R Us. Well, Toys R Us shuttered two years ago. Yeah. But, so I don't really know what kind of outlets they have for DC collectibles. Uh, you know, McFarlane has the market for mass market for uh, action figures, but it doesn't seem like people are reacting very well to those because the scale is a little bit bigger than the Marvel Legends mm-hmm. figures. Mm-hmm. True fanboys, it seems seems like they want their action figures to be in scale with one another. So it's you know, I think it's uh, not not really a good thing to have a Superman figure that towers a little bit over a Hulk figure. Right, yeah, yeah. It seems that we've talked a lot about DC. Yeah. Um, Because, let's be honest, they're a dumpster fire right now, so... Um, (laughs) I think that's putting it mildly. (laughs) So, um, let's talk a little bit about the other half of the big two, Marvel. Um, Okay. It seemed that Marvel did all the right things, or at least it seems to be that way. Um, when it came to the gov- the shutdown and the pandemic and whatnot. So mm-hmm. how, how has Marvel managed to survive in uh, the pandemic as opposed to, you know, DC here? How, how are they doing, I guess you could say? I think probably by, just by standing back and letting DC do what they did. Okay. Because retailers, you know, when DC said, we will, we're going to put product out to you during a pandemic, retailers, a lot of them said, no, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we can't sell product. So I, and I think uh, now they, Marvel and DC both uh, were calling all the shops around, you know, asking about, you know, what kind of capabilities we had and all this, uh, you know, as far as. Well, can, are you able, are you open? Can you sell product right now? And, you know, what kind of services are you providing? All of, all of this. But I, I, th- I think, I think Marvel just, you know, just by standing back and letting DC do what they did, they're the ones that uh, came out looking like the good guy in this. And, and trust me, retailers had a lot of problems with uh, what seemed to be predatory publishing practices by Marvel with, uh, you know, these variants. They they used to do the, and it doesn't seem like they're really doing it so much anymore, these meet or exceed variants where you have to order a percentage, the order of your regular cover of has to be a percentage of a past issue in order to unlock ordering for a variant cover. Mm. Yeah, my uh, okay, uh, perfect example of this is uh, for the 2000. This is the best one I can think of. The, the uh, 2015 Star Wars series when Marvel got mm-hmm. the license back to do Star mm-hmm. Wars. Mm-hmm. Now they did have a meet or exceed variant on that, where 
uh, and they they took uh, the Thor series that was being published at the time. I think it was uh, Thor number six. Uh, your order for the regular cover of Star Wars number one had to meet or exceed. I think it was a hundred percent. I'd have to go back and check on this, but I can't. I can't really remember the exact percentage. But meet or exceed this percentage of your order for Thor number six in order to unlock unlimited uh, uh, unlimited ordering on this variant. Wow, that seems so, so very so they, very they, shady. They, well, yeah, yeah, that, and and that's that's what they that's what they did. That, that's 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 what they did, and a lot of retailers were constantly complaining about it. Now, finally, they started to ease up on that, until and and then they they Marvel eventually said, "Okay, we'll only do it once in a while, uh, but we're really we're going to make all of our um, variants like that open order." Uh, you know, they, they still have the ratio variants like the one in ten, one in twenty-five, one in fifty, whatever. Uh, using Thor again as an example, I think it's uh, Thor number seven coming up. They have a, an open order variant for Thor number seven by an artist named Nick Klein. Unlimited ordering, no qualify, no no stipulation to order okay. that cover. Okay. So you you don't really see the meat exceed thing hardly at all anymore, uh, which which is a good thing. My my Star Wars customers. A lot of them wanted the action figure variants that happened during the previous run of Star Wars. And it got to the point where it was like, meet or exceed 100% of your order of a previous issue of Star Wars to get the action figure variant. And it got to the point where I couldn't order, I couldn't afford to order the action figure variant anymore because the hype had died down. I had copies sitting on the shelf. I had to make cuts. And so I cut my numbers on Star Wars. I couldn't meet that number anymore. So I couldn't mm -hmm. get that... Uh, I couldn't get that action figure variant for each issue. Well, you know what? Let's talk about a couple other gimmicks real quick that unfortunately, you know, has happened both at DC and, and Marvel. So, you know, we, we've talked quite a bit about the idea of variant covers, renumbering and starting over with new mm -hmm. number ones is a big mm -hmm. shtick. What, what do you think about these gimmicks? Do you think they actually bring value to you as a retailer or to fans by doing these silly stunts or gimmicks no what's your thoughts no um the publishing model anymore is it seems like when a creative team new creative team comes on well that's the signal right there to start it start it up as a new series now dc hasn't really been guilty of it so much as what marvel has yeah it frustrates retailers and it is actually frustrates the readers to no end said that, okay, we're starting with a new number one. Why? Well, the, the, the mentality is, well, it's a new number one. It'll sell. Yeah. But, um, okay. okay. I, I, I sold uh, well over a hundred copies. I think maybe around 150 copies of the, 2015 relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man. But that's because it was coming out of uh, Superior Spider-Man, where in the previous run of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker had died and Dr. Octopus's mind had inhabited his body. So okay. yeah. essentially, Dr. Octopus was Spider-Man for a couple of years. 
this was this was coming out of the wrap up of that storyline. So Peter Parker was back. So I sold about 150 copies of that. A couple of years later, a new Amazing Spider-Man number one didn't sell as much. People people didn't seem to be as interested in it. So you know, people aren't people want a good story. They don't care about there, you know. Okay, give them a good jumping on point, but don't make you don't have to make it a number one. And it's it's very frustrating as a retailer. Someone comes in asking for Iron Man number ten. Okay, which series? I don't know. I just want Iron Man number ten. Well, I, I, that question comes out of when I stopped by the shop and you were entering in pools for people. Yeah. And yeah. you were talking about it. It's massively complicated because of the constant renumbering, where you have right. to know a little more than just "I want Deadpool number one" or right. "I want Doctor Strange thirty-seven. Because you're like, "Well, which? Yeah, which are which, you talking? Which about? series? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I just need, I just need this one. It, it baffles me that those companies don't seem to understand that." It's it's difficult for people to keep up with this. Oh, that's my so, biggest. It's gripe. difficult for some people to keep up with the with the the constant relaunches. And I mean, my pet peeve, real quick, I'll just throw it out there: is I hate you have one title, and then we have to have six different splinter versions of it. Uh, I case You're ta- talking about the the variant covers. No, no, I'm talking about like total different uh, um, um, books that are somewhat intertwined. For an example, G.I. Joe. I'm a huge oh, G.I. Oh, Joe yeah. fan, but yeah. IDW at one time had 12 different series of G.I. Joe. Right. And I'm like, I okay, I mean, that's a little too much for me to collect. I just right. want like, you know, the old school, but, you know, and I mean, Deadpool's another prime, prime example. They had all kinds of Deadpool spinoffs and maybe a little too much. Oh. I, I think only a, a lot of that really centers around uh, what's going on with movies at the time. Sure. Because, okay, uh, the, the first Avengers movie hit, monster, monster at the box office. So then you had, um, well, you, know, you had relaunches of New Avengers. Then you had a Secret Avengers title. Then you had an Avengers Assemble title. All of these different Avengers titles going on just to you know trying to capitalize on the success of that movie mm-hmm. same thing now it didn't really happen with uh black panther so much but it did happen where uh you know they put him in a couple of other books and they also had um uh well one actually just wrapped up uh black panther and the agents of wakanda in your opinion how do you fix the comic book industry how do you clean up all the <laughs> The mess. Come on, Jeff. Give us some some ideas. How would you do it? If you could could rule the comic book world, what would you do to smooth up some of these rough edges and whatnot? Well, well, uh, well, first of all, I would get rid of variant covers. (laughs) Okay. Because that's a a frustrating thing, too, because, uh, okay, there's a new Eternals uh, ongoing that's, well... I, I, I hesitate to use the word ongoing because at best anymore, a comic book series is finite. Yeah. So anyway, there's a new Eternal series launching in uh, November. And there are well over 15 different open order covers for this book. Oh, wow. I, I, th- I think that's what it is. Uh, 
but there there are there, there's a lot of covers for this book. Why do you need all these covers? Yeah, because that's just creating overhead for the for the company because you got to pay the the cover artists. Yeah. Just give it just give us a book. Just give us one one book. Now they'll they'll do that for those lower tier selling titles where you're you're not you're not really going to have a variant for every issue. You might have a variant once in a while, but there are some books where there's a variant for every single issue. Amazing Spider-Man, there is a variant for every single issue, open order variant. Sometimes there's two and three variants. Mm -hmm. Like, um, okay, that while well, recently they uh, Marvel took a stab at DC and had the on sale Wednesday variants, where it was just a, just a plain cover, but the had in big letters, on sale Wednesday because DC wanted uh, that was another reason why DC left Diamond was because uh apparently the edict was handed down somewhere that well we want the stuff on sale on Tuesday to be in line with the book market Diamond says well and unless everyone else in the industry retailers and publishers alike want to have new comic book day to be on Tuesday we're not going to do that and so I, I think that was another reason why uh, DC bailed on Diamond. Well, how else would I fix the comics industry? <laughs> <laughs> I stumped you on this one. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, well, you, know, well, you know what? I, I think to be fair, there's some great things going on in the comic book industry. There, there we're are. Not, there, there are. are. We're, we're focusing on a few major mess ups and blunders from the last few months. <laughs> But yeah. there's a lot of great stuff going on there. Lots of great books, lots of great creators out there yeah. producing some great stuff. So I don't want listeners at home to think, God, John, you're just burying everybody. And I, we're not. I mean, yeah. but yeah. there are flaws. There are flaws. Yeah, there, there, there are there are flaws. And yeah, we're, we're talking about the flaws. But yeah, at the same time, there are some good things out there, um, is, you know, especially coming from uh, some of the other companies mm -hmm. uh, like uh, Boom Studios. Image, dynamite, aftershock mm -hmm. comics. Yeah, aftershock. Who who else? Um, that well, there's there's another new startup company still waiting for them to start up. It just uh, they got kind of uh, si uh, uh, sidelined by the uh, whole pandemic situation, kind of derailed their launch. A uh, company called Bad Idea, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, you know we're uh, one of the two Ohio stores who are supposed to be in on the initial launch whenever that happens. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot of great stuff coming uh, out of the non big two companies. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's one from image right now. Doesn't really seem to be getting a lot of recognition called stealth, which uh, involves a reporter who finds out his father is a superhero, but his father also has Alzheimer's. Wow. So, yeah, it's a pretty interesting concept. And then there's another one. There's one coming up from uh, Image called uh, Crossover. That was, uh, uh, it's com coming up next month. Uh, written by, I believe it's written by Cullen Bunn. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a comic book crossover that is so massive, so, so impactful that it bleeds over into the real world. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's okay. like it's it's having effect. You know, it's it's having an effect. The crossover crosses over into the real world. 
there's there's another one uh, from Image uh, called The Clock. Uh, it had uh, two issues come out before the shutdown, so we're still waiting for that to start back up. That is about uh, someone who discover, discovers it's a it's a cancer epidemic uh, going on. You know, people are actually catching this cancer. It's a, a contagious form of cancer. Uh, you find out that it's a weaponized version of cancer, a weaponized oh. form of cancer. Okay. So I mean, wow. it, it's really uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, a lot of intrigue going on with that one. But any last ideas on how you would fix the comic book industry besides just getting rid of variants? <laughs> the the companies need to listen to the fans and listen to the retailers, especially the big two, especially DC Comics. Now, uh, that being said, I really don't envy the people who work for DC, their current positions that they are, are finding themselves in, because again, it's all rolling downhill. It's coming from the top at AT&T, and I really think that they are uh, working under all of this that, that's coming down from the top. I really think it's coming from AT&T and Warner Brothers. It's not DC Comics. There are a lot of good people still at DC. I will say that. And I really think that this is coming from further on up top. Well, one final thing, and then we'll get to talking about where the store is and what what you guys have in stock and everything. You, as well as yours truly, and a couple of other independent creators are in uh, this month's issue of 614 Magazine. So That's right. Um, what do you think about your you showing up in the pages of 614 Magazine? It doesn't look like me. Because <laughs> they, they did the photo. Yeah, they, as you know, they did the photographs as uh, – you know, comic book style cartoon pictures. And it doesn't, I don't think it looks like me. <laughs> it was, it was a good article. I thought it was a good article. Yes. yes very well done. Very well done. Yeah. And uh, people at 614 Magazine, thanks very much for including us. It was uh it was an awesome experience, but Jeff, tell folks all about the store, where you're located at, what do you have in stock, hours of operation, website, all that jazz. Okay, uh, well, our address is 5974 Westerville Road. We're in the Glengarry Shopping uh, Center, which is about a half mile south of the exit off of uh, Route 270. And uh, right now we don't have a sign out where they're doing a refacing project on the store. They're finally getting to us, so we don't really have a proper sign out, but we are in between uh, Cushions Billiards and the uh, Barbarology School of Barbering Arts. Our hours are uh, Monday through Saturday from noon to seven. Uh, we are currently closed on Sunday because uh, that's a day we uh, take to do deep cleaning because of all the all the COVID crap going on right now. You know what? Uh, I never thought about that. I never thought yeah, that you yeah. guys would have to do that. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, that that was that was uh, something recommended to all businesses by the state is uh, you know shut down for a day to do a deep cleaning, and that's that's what we do. Okay. Um, Hopefully, in sometime in the near future, we'll be able to restore Sunday hours. But uh, right now, it's just Monday through Saturday, noon to seven. We have uh, all kinds of comics from uh, some Golden Age, primarily Silver Age, on up to the uh, New Week's releases. We've got over uh, over forty thousand uh, back issues for sale. A stock of over forty thousand back issues, probably the the largest in the area. We've also got action figures, statues, uh, but uh, comics are a thing. That's what we do. 
All right. How about the uh, the website and the Facebook oh, page? Uh, web website uh, website is wgcomics.com. And uh, Facebook page, just uh, look up World's Greatest Comics on Facebook, and uh, you'll find us there. Cool. Are you uh, still doing your Tuesday auctions, or have you kind uh, of put that on hold for right now? Kind of put, put that on hold. Um, it didn't seem like the participation ha has uh, been there so much uh, since uh, everything started reopening. It, okay. I think really it was just uh, a form of entertainment during the shutdown for a lot of people. We do have the uh, World's Greatest Comics Facebook auction group. We'll probably do something with that sometime soon. Uh, I don't really know when, but uh, when we do, we'll put an announcement on the Facebook page, the, the main Facebook page. There you go. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you, John. Good to be here. All right. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to throw it to a quick break. And on the other side of the break, I'll be back to wrap up the episode. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Patrick and I giving you the rundown of all the things that have been happening in the comic book industry over the last few months. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, if you're in the Central Ohio area, I would ask that you please give your patronage, if you can, to World's Greatest Comics. They're over there on Westerville Road, 5974 to be exact, or you can also find them online, wgcomics.com, or find them on Facebook at WG Comics as well. It's time for me to let you know where you can get in touch with me if you would like to do so. Uh, you can shoot me an email. John Orlando at pvdcast.com is my email address. You can find me on Twitter. My personal handle is at pvdmvp. You can even leave me a message over on the Facebook and Instagram pages of this podcast. Just search for at pvdcast. And I need to let you know where you can get your hands or ears on this podcast. It's available through the online home of yours truly, pvdcast.com, but it's also available through all those major podcasting platforms like Stitcher Radio, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio app, uh, Deezer. Uh, just basically go to your favorite podcast platform, type in pvdcast or sometimes pvdcast John Orlando into the search bar and you're sure to find it. And when you listen, don't forget to rate review and subscribe. Rating and reviewing helps me out in the algorithm. Subscribing makes sure you never miss an episode. And you know what? The fourth thing you could do is tell lots of folks about it. You know what? There's no better advertising than word of mouth, as the old saying goes. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to get on out of here. I thank you for listening, and I will chat at each and every one of you later. Stay righteous, stay independent, and stay safe and healthy. has been a production of John Orlando Enterprises, LLC. Copyright 2020.